Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. When we think of African swine fever, the first thing that comes to mind is the impact it has on the pork industry. But it's not just the pork industry that will see implications. Experts say ASF will have three times the economic impact of mad cow disease because it impacts so many other industries. Leah Wilkinson is the vice president of public policy and education for the American Feed Industry Association. Leah, what are you guys thinking about when it comes to preparing for the spread of African swine fever? So since uh, African swine fever was found in China in 2018, that's really when it came to the forefront for our industry. We knew going back to the porcine epidemic diarrheal virus introduction into the United States, that feed could play a role in the movement of viruses. And so there's been a lot of research done. And because of China, where we source a lot of our ingredients from, um, there was more research done there. And we've really been focused on where we source those ingredients from, what kind of biosecurity procedures do they have in place, what measures could we as the feed industry put in place to prevent any contaminated ingredients from carrying that virus into the United States. And then there's also been research done on potential transmission um, via feed. So we've looked at biosecurity measures, um, making sure that what we're doing for transportation and how we move people within a facility so that we aren't either bringing something to a farm or bringing something back into a feed mill that could then um, contaminate other farms. How have we had to adjust? Because as more countries detect African swine fever in their borders, has this changed where we're sourcing our ingredients? What are some of those specific changes that we've already made since 2018? So there are some um, opportunities to source from other locations, but some of our ingredients can only be manufactured in certain countries. Uh, So there we've just worked on knowing your supplier, knowing those biosecurity practices, and then what could we do here in the United States for holding time. So there's some suggestions based on some research for holding uh, those ingredients at a certain time and temperature, and our industry has been doing that um, and working with our swine industry customers to make sure then that they are aware of the measures that we're putting in place uh, to protect them. Um, Then as we manufacture our feed, just making sure we're following our biosecurity practices, which help not only with African swine fever and other foreign animal diseases, but also some of the domestic diseases that we do have circulating in the United States. Has this changed prices? And as we head into 2022, will these extra measures incur costs for producers of all agriculture sector, not just pork producers? So it's really cost of business and biosecurity measures are things that our industry has had in place going back prior to um, African swine fever being found in China. Uh, so it's, it's a cost of business for our industry and a good practice. Um, the supply chain issues that have erupted here in um, the last couple of years, uh, you know, those have definitely had an impact in our business. And our industry's uh, been adjusting and, and changing so that we have those diverse uh, supplies and availability. And if anything, with African swine fever and those holding times, I think because our industry had to have uh, that 
stock here, right, while we were holding those products, it allowed us to get through some of those initial hurdles when ports were initially closed in China. And and instead of having really tight supplies, we had product here in the U.S. that we could continue to use. The pandemic is just another thing that you guys have had to worry about. Um, You know, you're worrying about animal spread of disease. Well, we also deal with human spread of disease. You mentioned supply chain disruption. How has that impacted our producers? I mean, that alone, the pandemic alone. So initially, one of the very first hurdles that we had to do was figuring out who was a essential business, right? So when um, when we were locking down and, and closing for those two weeks of time, if you remember, we needed to make sure that our um, feed manufacturers, pet food manufacturers, and every associated part of that business was deemed essential. And so once we were able to do that and they were able to stay open, that allowed our producers um, in all of the animal agriculture industry and our companion animals to be able to have the food that they needed um, to be able to supply you and I um, with the food that we needed to eat. Uh, So that was really our our biggest hurdle. Um, Labor is an issue that we're looking at, uh, transportation and making sure that we have Uh, We can reduce some of those regulatory burdens wherever we can to be able to allow the workforce and have the trucking that we need to be able to get our products moved to our customers in a timely manner. What is the outlook for the rest of the year? I mean, are you optimistic? What else is on your mind for 2022? So from the animal food industry perspective, we are continuing to work for the industry to make sure that uh, that business can continue, right? So making sure that whether it's the inspections for food safety, uh, that those are happening and that our industry is able to be in compliance uh, with those programs. Uh, The labor is going to be a big issue that we continue to work for and it's going to be a long-term thing right making sure that we've got people that are trained um, in to do our specific uh, work that needs to be done in a feed mill or to be able to to drive uh, those trucks and so where can we look at regulatory opportunities to reduce reduce some of those burdens to be able to expand that workforce and really our industry is a great industry right and we want to entice those people to come work for us Um, if you look through a feed facility you have people that have worked there probably their entire life right they love it and so how can we get them to talk about that more and bring in that next generation. Circling back to African swine fever, if ASF is detected in the U.S., we know the game plan is that animal movement would stop for 72 hours. Well, Leah, what's the game plan for the feed industry? Um, so I'm going to talk about the trade impact, and it's uh, it's not just to the pork products, right? So we are working through an issue where the certificates that we operate under for all animal-based products, right now that trade would stop um, because African swine fever would be found in the United States. So we're working with the federal government to make sure that we could continue to trade in products, and we're talking feed-based products, right, or pet food that contain any other animal-based products. Uh, So it's things like that um, that you wouldn't have thought about um, for a a porcine-based disease that it would impact the broader industry for agriculture. The show must go on when it comes to feeding livestock or our beloved pets. That's Leah Wilkinson. She's the vice president of public policy and education for the American Feed Industry Association. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.